WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation, plus MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The deadline for hundreds of migrants to find housing or lose their spot in city-run shelters was supposed to go into effect today. But with single-digit temperatures, city officials on Friday decided to postpone that deadline. Here's Mayor Johnson at a press conference last week. There are some um, exceptions to that policy, particularly during single-digit temperatures, um, as we are expecting within the next uh, week or so. So to be clear, we're not evicting new arrivals um, out, out in the cold this winter. Many people are still scrambling to find housing before the new deadline of January 22nd. Meanwhile, more people continue to arrive during Chicago's freezing conditions. To talk about the impending deadline and the struggles of this extreme cold, I sat down with Veronica Saldana, a volunteer lead for the police station response team. Annie Gomberg, another lead volunteer, and Andre Gordillo, director of New Vecinos, or Neighbors in English, at New Life Centers. That's a nonprofit that's partnering with the state to provide services at the landing zone and a temporary shelter in Little Village. Now, with less than a week from that new deadline, I started out by asking Annie, what is top of mind? Here's Annie. I think that what's really top of mind for many of us is that with having having not a plan for these hundreds of people that need to be leaving shelters is really a plan for people being on the street. And not seeing that coming from either the state or the city, I think we're very, very concerned, especially given the weather conditions. But just in general, um, this whole process seems to be really limited, that um, we've asked and we've said, well, what happens if they leave and they have nowhere to go? Mm-hmm. And we've been told that they go back to the landing zone and there's sort of a restart of the shelter process, which seems very destabilizing for people who are already in a very vulnerable position. Veronica? To add to that, um communication overall seems to be the big problem too because you know folks are being told that they should expect to leave on the 22nd which was just for some one day after their original date Mm -hmm. um and then we're getting told of a possible 30-day extension overall so Mm. folks are just panicking they don't know Mm. what's going on and nobody seems to know Sounds like mixed in there is some confusion, too. Yeah. What do you think, Andre, of the, the shelter limit in the first place? Yeah, it, it, it makes for panicking and uh, folks scrambling to find something uh, not ideal. I, I, um, I worry about them having to go back to square one and start all over again, especially in this winter. Talk more than any about what you think would be a more sustainable solution here. Um, I think we've been saying since the beginning that Investing in a system of dependency of shelters that, unfortunately, we are also finding are um, lacking in many, many services and resources and, you know, at times food and medical care. 
Um, investing in that system of dependency does not seem to be paying off for the city and rather um, is we're paying to sort of hold people rather than house people. Mm-hmm. And I think that many of us think that it would be less expensive and much more sustainable in the long term if we were investing in those systems that would get homeless people housing. Um, people who work in this field, who um, is much more Veronica than myself and, and Andre than me, but really do speak of housing first. We, we get people housed and it gives them a place to from which they can sort of launch their lives. It mm-hmm. gives them a fulcrum on which they can move the world. And we want this to be happening in the city of Chicago um, because this is how cities grow and are vibrant. And um, the future of Chicago with a thriving Venezuelan or South American population is really inspiring to many of us. To that end, Veronica, there's a, a WBEZ analysis of city data which found that roughly 7 in 10 migrants uh, have been in shelters longer than 60 days. Mm-hmm. What do people need in order to, to speed up the process of getting into longer-term or permanent housing? If the city had a plan for assisting folks with housing, then that could be communicated to the people staying at the shelters. Right now, they just have no idea what their options are at all. And, you know, if they do end up getting evicted from shelters, where are they going to go? The landing zone? The landing zone is close. Folks that were left at the landing zone have been sent to warming centers. So where are people supposed to go? I mean, back to your question, um, as Annie said, you know, about solutions, yeah, the sustainable city, solutions. Right. The city really does need a plan, and it seems more sustainable to put that money toward housing people. Meanwhile, Andre, we're experiencing these sub-zero temperatures right now, and, and we know that people are still arriving, and many of the folks who are here, they've never experienced this type of, of, of weather before. What are you seeing? Yeah, uh, desperation. A lot of folks are, are just uh, wanting to get out ASAP. And um, improper clothing when they arrive, right? Yeah, uh, oftentimes shorts, shirts, um, flip flops, um, just very ill prepared um, to to come to Chicago, not know the language, not know uh, a lot of them don't have any family here either, mm-hmm. um, and so it's a it's a very big lift for everyone here at this table to help and and find housing, right? That's an, I think the number one, and the number two is work. Yeah. You've mentioned the landing zone a few times, Veronica. Talk more about the conditions Mm. you saw there. Mm. Uh, It's really tragic. There's there's people just languishing on buses, really, um, when they were there and they weren't getting they weren't getting proper care. They didn't have proper clothing. Uh, There was a gentleman there who had been there three days and turns out he had a, a fractured leg. And so I took him to, I asked him if he had received any medical care. He said he hadn't. And so I took him to urgent care. They sent us to the emergency room. And that's where we found out that he had that um, fracture in his leg. So um, <clears throat> that goes back to not having a plan, not having a plan for accepting these people and providing them with the services that they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, I mean, you were trying to uh, invite a company called Shower Up, right, to, to get folks showers correct because when we were there again talking to people on the buses they'd mentioned they'd been there for five days and without showers uh they were asking for more food and for a shower please um you have 60 people on a bus who haven't showered in five Mm -hmm. days does not make for a very safe Mm -hmm. or healthy um Mm -hmm. situation so 
it did take volunteers to organize shower up to come out before the city decided to do something about it. Yeah, the city uh, has uh, in part says uh, in a statement here that staff from the Office of Emergency Management and Communications were unaware of shower up coming mm. and could not accommodate them without advance notice. You're shaking your head. That's, no, that's absolutely not true. Um, and I provided documentation to many different media outlets because I reached out to them directly and I said, this is my contact with shower up. Please be. And they said, thank you. And I said, great, you'll be in touch. And yeah, so I, I think that that's, I understand why um, perhaps some people at the landing zone were unaware, but that is, it is absolutely not true because we did communicate directly with our contacts at the Office of Emergency Management and Communication as we had been instructed. These are people that were introduced to us by the mayor's office as our contacts for working with OEMC. So I think there's been a lot of miscommunication in that office, um, and I think this is just more evidence of that. You've volunteered, Annie, at police stations, uh, which is where we saw folks moved out of in uh, mm-hmm. in December. How would you compare the landing zone to your experience mm-hmm. there at the police stations? Um, well, I think people sleeping on the floor of a police station is as inadequate as people sleeping on a bus. Um, I do think that it's a more... Um, a less friendly environment because at the police station we had volunteers there all the time we had meals being provided three times a day when i went to the landing zone for the for my first time um i just happened to be there and when i spoke with about 30 people there they were getting one meal a day um they hadn't received medical care since they had arrived they as veronica was pointing out they had not received they were they were shuffling around in sandals i saw it with my own eyes i saw children without coats um and like we said, I mean, the, the thing that they all asked us for immediately was showers and access to hygiene because, um, you know, we, we know from the um, World Health Organization that proper hygiene is really, really important for many different kinds of diseases and illnesses. Yeah. And they are concerned about these things, too. Um, these are human beings. They're not chattel. And I think at the police districts, because of the volunteer involvement and because we were there, there was transparency. There was some there were people had eyes on this mm-hmm. and there was yeah. not a day when people didn't get fed. Um, for most of us. And I will say that that's the same, a similar situation we have with the shelters where we do not have volunteer access or any kind of access for outsiders to go to any of the shelters. And I, I fear that with that curtain coming down, we're going to have some of the same problems, um, that we've seen at Pilsen, um, at the Pilsen shelter, at the landing zone where we don't know how bad it is until things get really bad. And uh, in response, I want to read two additional statements in part. These are about the landing zone. The first came from a city of Chicago spokesperson uh, who says, uh, you know, the purpose of the landing zone was never housing and amenities, but out migration and transport to temporary shelter, end quote. Uh, The second statement here being from the state uh, says, quote, in part, uh, it is designed to help individuals upon their arrival at the landing zone to receive expanded services and support in a more streamlined process and to unite them with their families and friends and or help them advance to other destinations to avoid unnecessary admission into shelters, end quote. Um, Andrea, I know new, new life centers, um, you folks have been helping out with the landing zone. What can you tell us about the logistics of running this? Yeah, Um Folks come with a, a misunderstanding of what uh, what's offered here in Chicago and what are their options. Um, our team's been able to 
uh, out-migrate with the help of Catholic Charities, um, folks that do have family in, in other parts of the country, whether that be uh, local Chicagoland or, or elsewhere. Uh, and so just taking the time to slow down as folks first arrive and, and orient them and, and guide them to this is what's happening here, these are your options. And if you have family and friends that are able to welcome you and, and, and for you to have a safe place to lay your head at night, let's get you there. Yeah. And and try to avoid the the shelter system that we know is, is not perfect here. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Some migrants in shelters here in the city, they're scrambling to find housing before their limited stay runs out. And meanwhile, folks are continuing to arrive to our area in freezing conditions. So we're talking to folks working to get migrants those services that they need. Veronica Saldana is a volunteer lead for the police station response team. Annie Gomberg is another lead volunteer. And Andre Gordillo is director of New Vecinos, or Neighbors in English, at New Life Centers, which is a nonprofit partnering with the state. Uh, sticking with you for a moment, Andre, the first state-funded shelter opened in a, a former CVS store in Little Village last week, and New Life Centers will have staff there. What can you tell us about that new shelter? Yeah, we are housing 200 uh, families um, and uh, providing a, a lot of the wraparound services and connection resources. Uh, the first state-funded uh, shelter that isn't uh, through the contractor that um, uh, or contractors that the city has. Um, and uh, the majority of our staff is, is local, has been through the experience of, of immigration and some of them asylum seekers themselves, mm-hmm. um, and we're able to connect folks with the, uh, the care and, and connections that help them to hopefully be self-sustainable and independent. So, you're, you know, I mean, you're helping folks get moved out of the shelter and into housing, which we know that's one piece of the puzzle, right? So, I mean, what other help is needed for folks to, to access housing? Uh, English. People need to know English. The language barrier. Uh, yeah, yeah, language. Uh, a lot of these leases are in English. Um, a lot of the the services, comed and and um, uh, other other uh, services are unfortunately oftentimes only in English, or, or only accessible to those who know how to get to them. And and then it's in English when you get there. So mm. um, our our staff is helping folks guide uh, through the whole process and. Um, and early childhood education is mm-hmm. also important. We had CPS there yesterday, and um, just trying to do a, a better job of, of walking them to the city and then exploring the different options that they have here. Of, of okay, if you want to mm-hmm. move to this part of town, this is what's around. Um, and so, um, just doing it a little differently. Any, there used to be a state-assisted rental aid program. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was also cut off for folks yeah. entering in, in November. So a lot of the people who are facing this uh, this first 60-day limit, they don't have that program to rely on. No. Well, if you think about it, like if we think about a single family, if they don't qualify for this state-assisted rental program, which cuts off at November 15th, 17th, you had to be in a shelter. You had to be here. You had to arrive here by November 17th. If you didn't arrive here uh, by Jan- July 31st, you're also not eligible for the Temporary yeah. Protected Status Work Program, which is really only for Venezuelans anyway. So you're in a shelter. You don't have rental assistance. You don't have access to a work permit. Um, what are you going to do when that eviction notice comes up? How are you going to support your family? How are you going to get your kids in school? How are you going to put food on the table? 
those things being cut off doesn't make practical sense mm-hmm. for the average person there. Um, and I think that, like, we, we can we can talk all the time about what things were intended to be, like the landing zone, like the like the rental assistance program. But, you know, I'm reminded that, like, if grandma had a mustache, she'd be grandpa, that things are what they are. Right. And our mayor, who campaigned for this position, who told us that he was a progressive, who told us that he wanted to bring people together and to provide for Chicago and bring Chicago home and do yeah. all the things that we've talked about. We need some leadership here. We need somebody to really get in this fight with us because we're not seeing it. Final words to you, Veronica. I mean, I I can't help but think of uh, something that Annie alluded to earlier, right? The young boy who died in a shelter in in Pilsen last month. Um, You know, you've been working with his family. You know what they're facing now in the Mm. aftermath. I mean, where do things stand? I was just speaking with them yesterday and... Um, they're trying to move forward, but it's hard when you don't have a stable home, you don't have a job to make, bring money in to support your family. They don't qualify for the TPS, so they fall under that umbrella. Yeah. Um, what are they supposed to do? So we do have a GoFundMe that we started to help support them. Okay. Uh, through that, through that process of healing. And, you know, maybe um, uh, help with their housing so that Orlando can try to find work. Yeah. Goodness. What a what a tragic situation. Mm. We'll leave it there for now. Veronica Saldana and Annie Gomberg are both volunteers for the police station response team. And Andre Gordillo is director of New Vecinos at New Life Centers. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Max Lubers and it was edited by Meha Ahmed. If you found this episode informative, consider subscribing. That way you will get the latest updates on efforts to house thousands of new arrivals. That's it for Reset. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.